the college football show on the Coach T podcast presented by Turner Sports Training, TST. Ladies and gentlemen, yeah. hey, you know what time it is, yeah, you know what time it is. You are watching a master at work. <laughs> Some people are probably like, what time is it? You know what time it is. Hey, what's up, guys? Coach T, I'm here. Coach Mook, he's here. Say what up. What's up? There we go. This is the college football show on the Coach T podcast. We are back. My wife told me not to say that, but we are back. I love being back. College football is almost back. This is the uh, opening weekend this weekend, so we're only a few days away. And let's get right into the matchup. First marquee matchup that we're going to hit on. For the opening weekend will be Georgia versus Clemson. This will be played at the Bank of America Stadium in Charlotte, North Carolina. Mook, do you want to begin? Uh sure. I, you know, <clears throat> this uh, uh, what could be a preview of a, a playoff game, honestly, um, if everything goes right. But for both these teams, but to to set kind of the the season going the the right way, um, for either one of them, a, a win here is pretty important. Um, starting out with Georgia, I think Kirby Smart really needs this to kind of, I guess, maybe take Georgia to that next level. They've been kind of hanging on that, that, uh, the, the also mentions not, not the, uh, the top four, but they've been at the, you know, the five, six mark. I think this would be a big game to, to move past that. I think with quarterback JT Daniels, uh, USC transfer, they might have the guy there to help push him through there they have uh four starters back from last year on the offense um so i think that'll be a good one uh zamir white is back he should lead a committee of running backs and uh i think uh offensively they are going to roll defensively the front seven will be very good um they are very fast they're very aggressive and they're led by nicobe dean he's their leading tackler uh returning and their secondary might be a little bit of a question but I think the front seven, you know, you know as well as I do, a good pass rush helps out your secondary immensely. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, T. Um, Clemson, I mean, you know, it, it, they're at the Alabama State now, where you know it's it's just reload. You know, they they only come back with five on offense, but uh, um, you know, I, I think with uh, you know, DJ, <laughs> I'll, I'll mess it up. Ulagalele, there we go. Yeah, I say Ulagalele. Yeah, Ugalele. Yeah, I knew I was gonna screw it up. We we were bound to screw it up at some point. So yeah, I know, and I even spelled it phonetically because I I I can say it ten times fast, but the (laughs) eleventh time, of course, I missed it. Um, last year, his first start, I saw him uh, when Trevor Lawrence was out, and they were playing BC. Started off a little bit rough. Second half, picked it up and never looked back. And and in his start, so I expect him to be really good, but. When you lose generational talents like uh, Travis Etienne at running back and Amari Rogers at uh, wide receiver, it's really hard to replace that. Well, unless you have all five-star guys to replace <laughs> them with. So I, I looked to, to see a new cast from Clemson kind of in that um, in that way, but defensively they'll be sound. I do like, in, and I guess this might be an upset to somebody, I'm going to go out and limb and, and I think that – Getting them early, I'm gonna take Georgia in this game uh, over Clemson. Okay, 
Okay, there you have it. Coach Mook going with Georgia in that matchup. Uh, a couple intriguing things for me in, in, in this matchup. Number one, for whoever wins this game, this is an opportunity to gain bragging rights in the recruiting front. This game is held in North Carolina, kind of, you know, a central ground, firm, fertile recruiting ground for both of these teams. So opportunity for bragging rights. This is also a battle of the former five-star quarterbacks. You mentioned him, DJ Ugalele, um, former five-star quarterback. He was rated by PFF preseason rankings as the number eight quarterback overall entering the season. And JT Daniels, the Georgia quarterback, who was, as mentioned, a USC transfer, is ranked the 23rd quarterback entering the season. Um, so you have, uh, you, have, you have high potency quarterbacks entering this game. Should be a great matchup. I'm really intrigued to see iron versus iron. This is what I'm calling this matchup because both of these defenses are typically strong defenses, typically the stronger units of these programs. Brent Venables, Kirby Smart, they will have these guys ready to go. They have their engines revved up, and I'm actually going to go with Clemson. They turn the heat up second half, and they seal the game late. Should be a great ball game. I'm excited for it, definitely. All right, next matchup LSU versus UCLA. This is at the Rose Bowl. I will begin here. I want to give a shout out to my former college teammate, the UCLA offensive coordinator, Justin Fry. What up, Fry man? How you doing? Ed Orgeron versus Chip Kelly. Who has more pressure to win this game out of those coaches? Ed Orgeron, five and five last year, coming off a national title. And then Chip Kelly, fourth year. This is kind of a put up, shut them up type of year. Either, either, either poop or get off the pot if you're Chip <laughs> Kelly. So you 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 need one of these coaches is going to need this win bad. It'll be a great way to um, get his name out of the fire maybe a little bit. Chip Kelly has to get it done. There's no reason why they cannot compete with LSU, especially early in the season. I know LSU typically has more talent. But LSU is traveling all the way to Southern California. Pretty, pretty California. They were not great on the road last year. They have a lot of holes that they have to fill. Now, Derek Stingley Jr. in the in the backfield on the defensive side for LSU, he will make plays. I understand that. Uh, Miles Brennan, I think he was rated the number nine overall quarterback, according to PFF preseason rankings. So LSU has talent. But I think for UCLA, if you're asking me who has more pressure to win, it is Chip Kelly. He should be able to get this done. Now, that doesn't ease any of the pressure of Orgeron. As mentioned, 5-5 five and five last year, he has to get a strong start to this year after what felt was such a sour, sour year last year. So my pick here, I'm actually going to go with UCLA. I have UCLA winning in a shootout. I think sunny Pasadena, California. This would be a great opportunity for both these teams to show what they got. And I think a lot of points will be scored. So I'm going to go with UCLA winning that matchup. Wow. You know what? I, I tell you, that's a it's it's not a crazy pick. I mean, I think that somebody that hasn't really looked at what's going on, it might be, uh, you know, on the first first glance, like, wow, he just took that. But when you kind of dig in a little bit more, it, it is a little more interesting than than I first uh, thought at first blush, but I think it's kind of weird that, it, it, you know, I guess the sign of the times that, you know, Ed Orgeron, he, he wins a national championship two years ago. He has a disappointing five and five season. And, 
he's on the hot seat. And but that's that is Southeastern Conference football, <laughs> you know, and and that's just the way it goes. And and on the other side, Chip Kelly is in year four, and if he goes six and six, um, and and hits a bowl game, he might get an extension. <laughs> or he's on the hot seat. I mean, it's 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 wild. I look at it the same way you do. I think that uh, Miles Brennan coming back this year healthy and um, being able to throw to guys like Keishon uh, Boutte and Jerry Jenkins, um, they're two big play guys. I think the the offense of volume that they're going to put out this year um, through the through the air is going to be is going to be pretty impressive. Now, here's the Here's the other side of it. So there is the whole secondary back for UCLA. Well, that whole secondary was as uh, second to last in the conference, 114th in the country. So that's kind of the good news, and, and it's also kind of the bad news. On the other side of the coin, they were number two against the run, and I'm thinking maybe because nobody had to run. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not sure. I never stayed up uh, that late for, to watch UCLA, but I definitely – think that I, I do like LSU on the road uh, but you're right Ed Orgeron's got to bounce back I think that they'll have a better defensive plan this season last year they were awful there's just no other way to put it both Pelini's 4 5 uh, scheme they, they weren't getting it and, and you know he got the heave oh but I think they'll uh, I think they'll bounce back this year I don't know about a national title contender but I do like LSU in this game and to have a much improved season. All right, good. Another head-to-head battle between Mook and I. I am going with UCLA in that matchup. Mook is going with the LSU Tigers. Okay, next matchup, Notre Dame versus Florida State. This will be played at the Bobby Bowden Field at Dope Campbell Stadium in Tallahassee, Florida. I do want to say rest in peace to the legendary Hall of Fame coach, Bobby Bowden, obviously former Florida State famed head coach one of the guys that i i looked up to early on in my in my college football fandom i want to say condolences to his family i know they're going to be rocking it on a is that monday night yeah it's a monday night game i believe yep on a monday night so i know the florida state faithful they're going to be loud and proud and i'm sure they're going to do some type of memorial for for coach bobby bowden so that place is going to be live it's going to be 7 30 night game I see a lot of energy in this game. I see a, a, a hot, hot Monday night down in down in Tallahassee, Florida. Mm. And I don't know if that's going to work in the favor of, of the Fighting Irish. I know Brian Kelly has, you know, done a lot to improve that program that is Notre Dame. You know, you look up the last five to seven years, they've they've been in the final four a couple of times. Um, now they've gotten ran over when they when they've gotten there. But at the same time, they've been there and they put NFL products out year to year. You can always find a tight end from there. You can always find you a one tech, a three technique. You can always find you a receiver now. Think of uh, the Chase Claypools and and guys like that. So Mm -hmm. they have talent. But I just think it's something. It's going to be a very, 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 very emotional night down in uh, Tallahassee, Florida. I got to go with the Seminoles. I got to I got Florida State winning that matchup. Yeah, so I, just full disclosure from our picks uh, before of overrated teams, I I uh, picked Notre Dame in as, as one of my overrated teams, and I did get some texts about that. So uh, maybe it'll, I'll make uh, some people feel a little better when I pick them in this ball game. Uh, I, I agree with you. Brian Kelly is 
it's so funny because uh, a couple of years ago, it, like he wasn't good enough. Like even though he was winning ten games, and and all he's done is make a couple more trips to the uh, the playoff, and you know a career record of two seventy three and ninety six. That's pretty amazing in this day and age to, for a coach to be around that long. But, mm-hmm. okay, look, Notre Dame's run game, you know, Karen Williams is going to be the guy that 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 paces him. Uh, Jack Cohn coming over from uh, Wisconsin, you know, he's an accurate guy. He's not a huge arm, um, kind of a game manager. And with, you know, tight end like, you know, Michael Mayer, I think he's can move the ball down the field. Um I think that defensively, uh, they'll they'll play well. They, like you said, I mean, their defensive line just keeps plugging and playing in there, and and I think that they get a, a nice safety in Kyle Hamilton that's going to help out. Um, Florida State. Here's my question: uh, quarterback. They still haven't announced if it's going to be McKenzie Milton or Jordan Travis. Uh, Jordan Travis is a lot more you know dynamic but he's also very inaccurate and you know and it makes uh his very inconsistent but he's a dual threat 500 yards rushing a thousand yards passing last year um he might be the the better choice here because you just don't know with mckenzie milton i would love to see mckenzie milton get that job just because of the story with him overcoming the the injuries and you know he was never supposed to play football again the emotion of that night is going to be a lot. It's going to be hard to overcome. And it's also going to be hard to sustain that emotion if you're Florida State. I think that Notre Dame stays a little more poised and wins a tight ball game on the road. I love it, Mook. Great job. Great job. Okay, next. Um, it's a topic that is... If you know anything about college football, this topic has been circling for uh, for some time now. It is official. The Big Ten, the Pac-12, and the ACC are making a quote-unquote alliance. I don't know what that necessarily means. I think that's more of a uh, handshake deal for right now. But Mook, what are your initial feelings on on the alliance? So I think obviously it's a it's a you know a quick kind of response back to you know the. Uh, the, the Texas and the Oklahoma moving to the Southeastern Conference. I, I, I think that it's kind of a, a way for the three conferences to, you know, kind of make a little deal that, hey, we're going to keep some regionality to our uh, to our game. We want to keep our conferences intact. Um, and, you know, we also don't want the SEC to turn college football into some type of Premier League soccer thing which mm-hmm. you know i mean in, in some ways it seems like you know there's people that want it to go that way but i i think that uh you know if they can get the scheduling right if they you know <clears throat> make a commitment to schedule each other you know um there was no real uh commitment to not poaching each other's teams so that's a little interesting but you know it, i think that uh if they could figure out some way of the to share the the revenue if that's what they want and you know the tv market you know they all have different contracts with the with the networks so i i don't know how that is but here's the one thing i will say with the sec getting oklahoma and texas you know texas in some ways broke up the big you know 12 a long time ago when nebraska and colorado and a&m and missouri left because they started the longhorn network well that hasn't really worked out for them that well 
And, you know, that's a big part of them going to the SEC is to, you know, add the, you know, the SEC add those brands to get them even more money in television contracts. But the Big Ten still makes more than those two combined. So I, I don't know. We'll see where this goes. Um, but I hope that it keeps the college football kind of where it is right now for a while and not get too crazy into uh, a Premier League type model. Yeah, you, you, you said it for us true college football fans. We don't want it to turn into a Premier League. We don't want it to turn into, you know, monopoly of college football programs and, and, and brands. And yes, it somewhat is that now. Uh, but at the, in, in, in the same breath, I just want to make sure that these programs and these players, these coaches, these alumni, they're able to support their teams, but it's not at the sacrifice of the fans or the players. So I, 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 want, I want that to be first and foremost. Um, I, I do understand the Big Ten business side of things saying, hey, let's let's make sure that we do have a response to what the SEC is doing. The Big Ten, the ACC, and the Pac-12, they have power, um, but especially the Big Ten. It is the Big Ten for a reason. In the Midwest here, I mean, football is huge. It may not be SEC big, but right. it's number two, and it's and it's and it's and it's pretty close. And then you add in the, you know, the the basketball factors, things like that. There are a lot of really big programs with big profiles and big brands that that play in the in the in the Big Ten, and then you add in the ACC programs like Clemson, programs like like Florida State. I know Notre Dame is an independent. Um, they are loosely affiliated with the ACC, so you never know how that's going to play down down the road. Pac-12 has a couple of marquee franchises like USC. So having an alliance is a good response to your point. Where it goes, we shall see. Yeah, it's going to be interesting for sure. Next segment, this is presented by Hobart Pop Warner. There you go, Coach Mook. All right. Um, there you go. So this is our Heisman hopefuls. We're going to name our top candidates and why, and then we're going to give you a little dark horse action. My top candidate, I'm going to go with Sam Howell, University of North Carolina quarterback. I want you to hear this. UNC does not play a ranked opponent until week six. So that means more and more and more and more and more stats for Sam Howell. Uh, against some inferior opponents and then he's going to have week six week seven and week eight he's going to play florida state then he's going to go to miami and play and then they're playing notre dame so that is a three-week stretch where sam howell can set the world on fire mook who do you have well i got uh i'm gonna go with spencer rattler i i gotta be honest last year at the beginning of the year i, I was not very enamored of him as I watched him grow throughout the season, I saw the specialness that, that the kid has. He's he's got swag, you know. He's got the he's got the swagger, you know. He's got the uh, he's got the hype this year. And mm-hmm. one of the things I think that um, he's going to have is another year of experience in that offense that Lincoln Riley's really tearing, uh, you know, tailoring to him. And I mean, we've seen, you know. The, the quarterbacks the last few years come through there and, and, and win the Heismans and, and be there. And I think that, you know, he's just another one in the line. Um, one of the things I think he's got going for him is something that's not even in his control is 
Oklahoma is going to finally play some defense this year and give him more opportunities with the football. I think his numbers are going to be ridiculous. And I think that so long as they get themselves into the playoff, he's going to be the guy if I had to pick one right now as my favorite. I like it. I like it. Dark horse candidate. I am going with quarterback Grayson McCall of Coastal Carolina. Last season, he accounted for 33 touchdowns and an 11-1 record. Now, we just talked about the alliances and the conferences and all that. I think with all this stuff going on left and right with the alliances, I think there is a chance that this may be the last chance for a group of five player to win the Heisman. So I'm going with Grayson McCall for a dark horse candidate. He's going to light it up this year. I love the blue turf. Uh, <laughs> go Chancellors. There you go. There you go. I, uh, you know, I actually on vacation, I passed by the, uh, by the campus there. I, I was surprised on the way to Myrtle beach. And I was like, Whoa, you know, it, I, all of a sudden it's exciting to, to see coastal Carolina. I didn't think in my life I would ever, care but i mean they got something going on there and and yeah that turf i don't know if teal i love that turf the teal <laughs> yeah. turf i don't know if i love that turf. I, yeah that's a hard I, I like boys who stay away games a lot more than home games but uh you know it, it is hard on the eyes for me but um you know what this was hard uh, there was a lot of guys that i really like you know I, I thought about you know really getting dark horse what would indiana have to do to get michael Penix jr there <laughs> and i thought well they would have to, you know, pull some upsets along the way in the Big Ten and and maybe beat Cincinnati, who, oh, wait, they got Desmond Riddler. What would he have to do? To, you know, so it goes on down the line. I'm like, what if Iowa State did it? And, you know, Brees Hall, he's one of the best running backs in the country, and Brock Purdy. But I, I settled on this, and this was this one took me by surprise that I picked this guy. But after doing a little bit of uh, film watching and – and just a little more reading, I, I all of a sudden, hey, I'm a uh, Keaton Slovis fan, quarterback from USC. Um, they have a schedule that if if they can kind of get it rolling, they don't have Oregon or Washington on their on their uh, for crossovers. So they really got Notre Dame as their big one. If they can pull an upset. Uh, you know, it, you never really know. I mean, they, they could back their way into a, a playoff scenario without even being one of the preseason top pick teams. It would be a surprise team, but he's going to get the volume of throws. That's for sure. In only six games last year, he threw for 1,900 yards, 17 touchdowns, and seven interceptions. Um, and I think he's going to improve on that. He has his whole offensive line back. He didn't get great protection last year. If he gets it this year, his numbers might go through the, the roof. So that's my kind of dark horse. And a name to watch out for for USC is Drake London, his receiver. Who yes. I think will do a really good job this year for him. Okay, those are our Heisman hopefuls, our top candidates, and our dark horse candidate. Last segment. We're going to talk about a little bit of what made us college football fans growing up. These are our favorite memories of becoming a college football fan. Um, a little bit of our origin stories. I will begin Coach T here. I remember waking up early, early Saturday mornings. I was maybe seven, eight, nine years old. And I mean, I would get up early by myself. No, no kid is willingly getting up that early. 
but I'm getting up because I am trying to watch College Game Day. I fell in love with that show, Reese Davis and um, Lee Corso, former Indiana coach, Kirk Herbstreet, um, all those guys. I I would stay up, you know, watch all their shows in the morning and then go right into all the football games, the Saturday slate um, from ACC to the Big Ten to the, the Pac-12, the SEC, all that. I mean, I would stay up all day and night watch as many games as possible root for whatever team I thought had the coolest jerseys and it's just a way to go <laughs> from from Keith Jackson to you know his whoa Nelly I remember that whoa Nelly when someone would make a big play from the big hits to the mess jerseys to the you know the long towels and swag rags um Bob Greasy Vern Lundquist I mean just the announcers that that ring bells with me just just their voices are etched in my mind I remember Michael Bishop had his big, his big run at K-State um, yeah. two years in a row. Uh, I'm, I'm from Michigan, so Lloyd Carr being at Michigan and, you know, them playing Michigan State. He had Nick Saban at Michigan State at that time, Plaxico Burris, TJ Duckett, Tim Couch. I remember him before he was a number one pick, before he was this huge bust. Well, he actually was a really good college football player, played at Kentucky under Hal Mummy. Uh, Mike Leach was there. They threw the ball a lot. I was a, an aspiring quarterback and receiver, and I'm like, wow, this this school is throwing four and five wides. Like, I'm not I'm not used to seeing this, you know. Um, <laughs> you know, it's things like that where I learned at an early age. I love this thing called college football because it was such emotion, such pageantry. There were all these cool different teams from different locations. So it was almost like seeing like a different tribe or different people just oh, being man. able to compete, you know, in, in, in the game, great game of football that that we all love. So that's my origin story of becoming a college football fan. Mook, how about you? Yeah, I mean, you hit so many of the things that, that you know, I, I feel the same way about. I, I think that, you know, there's always as a, as a kid, um, a little bit of a newness um, every week when you watch college football because there was a new team that you didn't really know a thing about that that you know you had to see their highlights whether you know I never knew anything about University of Houston and here I'm watching Andre Ware throw you know what was unheard of 600 yards a game you know the regionality of the rivalries um, I, it's so much different than the NFL I, I love the NFL don't get me wrong. I love the Bears-Packers rivalry. Um, you know, the, the divisions aren't the same as the... Let's put it this way. Who cares about Michigan and Minnesota except for fans of the Big Ten that, mm -hmm. that love schools? And guess what? There's a heck of a lot of them that'll fill a bigger stadium than an NFL stadium to watch it. Um, right. That's right. the part about college football is that there are people that will drive eight, nine hours on, you know, on game day uh, or the night before to fill uh, an opponent's stadium where, you know, the NFL, it's like, where you, you know, where do I get this, uh, the corporate tickets and, and whatever. It's, mm -hmm. it's a different crowd. It's a different feel. I, growing up, I, I think that then kind of my, uh, you know, the reason I, I guess I love Nebraska is, is, you know, Thanksgiving Day was Nebraska, Oklahoma. And uh, Nebraska was kind of the same way that uh, we were here in Hobart, you know, Indiana is like they were the team that was really good, but just couldn't get over that that hump to win, you know, championships. And then 
kind of the late 80s and into the the run in the 90s will both both of them peaked at the same time when we won the championship so it was really special for me to be you know a, a fan of that but but you know the the names of the people that you know, I grew up watching that, you know, seeing Herschel Walker and, and Bo Jackson and, you know, Rocket Ishmael running back a punt, uh, booing the Boz, you know, watching Tommy Frazier, you know, shake off, you know, five Florida Gators to run a touchdown, hating everybody from the U, Warren Sapp, and then when they got to the league, loving them all, you know, it's, uh, <laughs> you know, the Peter Warwick's, the Vince Young's, the Mike Vick's, the Antoine Randall's. And, and players from your area. That was always the coolest thing about college football is when you saw a guy break from your area and you got to watch him on TV. So, but the pageantry, the rivalries, the, you the know. Uniforms. Yeah, the uniforms, <laughs> the, helmets. The, helmets, the pride stickers, you know, everything. Yeah. It's, mm-hmm. it, it, the band. Yep, the crazy fans football. rushing the yeah. field. Absolutely, tearing down goalposts. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. college right. football, love it. Yeah. Well, College football is just a few days away. Mook, I thank you for this. This was the college football show on the Coach T podcast. From Coach Mook to me, Coach T, I want to say peace. Keep supporting us. Keep showing love. And uh, we'll keep bringing you more heat. <laughs> <laughs>